We found him and he wasn't down the back of the couch, but he's here now with us talking at rugby. Scott Stevenson out of Sparksport. G'day, Scott. How are you? Hey, Darth. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, nice, nice. A little confused about the weekend Super Rugby. Can you help? No. <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, well, look, yeah, I mean, I can shed some light on that Crusaders performance. Do I need to? I think fans out there and, and uh, I know the radio sport audience is, is pretty knowledgeable about these things. That would have been a very hard, high mountain to climb emotionally for the Crusaders, especially after the game the week before against the Highlanders, something that they throw a lot of effort into was called off last minute. They then have to go back into training. They've been through uh, what is a disastrous and terrible time for that city. Uh, and then to try and get up, get to Sydney with all the emotion of the moment swimming around, I, I think it was just a bridge too far for the Crusaders. They will not use that as an excuse. It's not their style. But I think anyone can have some empathy for the plight of that team uh, over the weekend in terms of what was going on in their city and in this country. And uh, I think we'd be churlish not to acknowledge that. I think, Darth, too, the Highlanders may have been in the same boat with the Blues. I think they would have got themselves up, as they always do, for that challenge from the Crusaders. Uh, and then um, they have to go back and, and find all that adrenaline out of the system and find it again for that trip to Auckland, I think. Uh, that would have been tough too. So I know there will be listeners out there who argue with me and say it's got nothing to do with it, but I think uh, I've been around these guys long enough to know that rugby teams do ride on emotion and uh, they use emotion a lot in terms of how they prepare for games. And uh, I think in this case, maybe it just wasn't quite there for either the either of the two Southern franchises. Are they humans, Scott? Human yeah, beings who understand and feel and breathe like we all do. They're, they're not, yep. I mean, they're, they're, their results would suggest they're beyond humanity but they're not they're people and you get that yeah 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 and and they you know i know the crusaders felt very keenly uh for the people affected uh most closely by this tragedy uh but also you know they they would have been very cognizant of all the conversations swirling around them and their identity and what that meant uh to different people in this country as well so you know that that's a lot to take on board when you uh when you thought uh, a week beforehand that you were just in the rugby business suddenly you're in the social business and uh we're all part of the same society here it is it does have an impact on these players I suppose if anything you've got to look at both of those games we'll, we'll take both of those and and look at the Crusaders mm. and say it was a it was an unexpectedly slow start the Waratahs didn't yes. really seal the deal to right now the very end so even though they were down they were certainly mm. not out and you look at the Blues and they've turned yep. around. They've got they've got King Kong, the entire family, off their shoulders after that. But it wasn't mm. as definitive as they'd like it to be either. The Highlanders and the Crusaders, as much as they were affected, they still yeah. fought, didn't they, right to the end? Oh, look, of course, and you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't expect anything else from either of those two teams. They're absolute scrappers. Um, and and I should, by the way, also pay credit to the Blues. Uh, that was another performance in which we can see the clarity growing within that squad the clarity of roles, the clarity of attack plans, the clarity of strategy, and some of their big names standing up. Uh, you know, I think Tom Robinson gets better every game. Rico Iwani, uh, again, showing his class in that match as well. A really good tight five support crew around the Blues and getting really physical, but not just physical, being smart about how they use the footy. And uh, that has got to be pleasing for Leon McDonald. Uh, you know, I know that a big part of his challenge was the headspace that the Blues have been in for many seasons now about not being able to close out games. Darth, they are starting to close out games and they are going to be, I think, the epitome of a confidence team this year. Should we be worried about Waisaki Naholo and what he hasn't presented in recent times? Because he got stripped by Rico, didn't he? Yeah, well, he wouldn't be the first player in the world to have that happen to him. <laughs> that's, 
Well, I mean, let's be clear about that. Yeah, I mean, Wysocki is probably feeling the pressure as well uh, about, you know, making sure he's got a place in this World Cup team. It's pretty tightly congested at the back in terms of all-black selections. I don't, I, I don't even like talking about all-black selections in Super Rugby. I think the competition can stand on its own two feet. But I guess, given it's a World Cup year, does, so there's going to be an endless conversation. Uh, yeah, Rico Ioane was very good. Wysocki Naholo just hasn't quite found his mojo this season, but we know what he's capable of. So uh, if he finds a way to flick the switch, the Highlanders will be pretty happy about that. And then we move down to the Hurricanes, um, and they probably did it a lot tougher against the Stormers than they thought they were going to do. Interesting comments from me that Bowden Barrett's still not 100% happy with his game. Um, so expect some improvements there. And I think, again, you know, Bowden Barrett's a man for the big stage. Uh, look, they'll be happy that they're winning, but what a test for both them and the Crusaders this week, uh, both at the top of the New Zealand Conference and uh, ready to go toe-to-toe again. Yeah, well, no surprises for guessing what the Crusaders are going to attempt to do to the Hurricanes. They, they've, they've got a tender underbelly that was exposed by the Stormers. They managed to get away with it in the end in the last 10 minutes, but that fight up front, uh, it could be yeah, it could be quite brutal. Yeah, and that won't please John Plumtree. He's always prided himself on making sure that the Canes are very solid in that department. And uh, so... Yeah, there, there'll be some soul-searching down in the capital ahead of this weekend. But uh, speaking of underbellies, uh, a lot of people are taking the Chiefs for not showing much of one of those over <laughs> the first four rounds of the competition. But, man, heading to Pretoria, putting 50 on the Bulls on their home deck, uh, that was uh, something, uh, well, a bolt out of the blue, really, for me. I don't think many people expected that level of performance. But two players in particular, Brady Ritalik and Damien McKenzie, uh, wow, they were sensational. Um, that's no surprise really coming from Brody. We know what he's like. Um, McKenzie, what do you put that down to with him? Oh, look, McKenzie's been given a freedom back, I think. Um, you know, I always felt with Damien, and he may argue this, Darson, and he might have an argument as well, but, you know, I, he is just a player that operates so well in space, and he sees space, and perhaps more than others do. To give him that freedom, to let him loose from the back, I, I think has just given him a sense of relief and uh, when you've got a sense of relief and you're a player like Damien McKenzie, then you've got the confidence to go out there and do what you do. And uh, the more of this from DMAC, uh, head of uh, Rugby World Cup, the better, I think. Just having someone there who's clear, who's concise, who understands how to exit and understands how to hit the line, I, I think that is going to uh, smooth over a lot of cracks in that Chiefs team, and uh, it's good to see. And while I've got you here, Scott, just before we let you go, the whole St. Kennigan mess has yeah. kind of unraveled or not. Have we, what have we learned? What's actually been achieved? What's positive and what's fallen apart, do you think? Well, the first thing that we should be cognizant of, I don't think this is over by any stretch, Darcy. In fact, uh, in the next few minutes, we're expecting a press release uh, issued by the 10 schools, uh, the 10 other 1A schools who have all signed up to default games to St. Kent's unless they in turn sign a new code of conduct. St. Kennegan College has not done that. Uh, the findings of this report and, and a compromised position claim to have been found uh, by both the author of the panel uh, report, that is Tim Castle, barrister, and also by the head of the board, uh, the trust board of St. Kennegan College who sent an email out to his community today saying we're going to compromise and, and these boys won't play in the six games or the semi in the final. But at this stage, they have not signed up to the Code of Conduct. That was what the 10 schools wanted them to do. The panel's found the complaint in favour of St Kent's, but there's still water to go under this bridge, and uh, we'll bring you uh, all the latest on that tonight on One News Day. And looking forward to that? Well, I'm actually not, because I'll be broadcasting at the time, so I'll better see it. <laughs> I just won't better hear anything. Go figure. <laughs> hey, Sumo, uh-huh. thanks for much for your time. Thanks for extricating yourself from uh, behind the couch for us, mate. We'll catch up again soon, I'm sure. Always good to talk to us.